Our scripture that was previously read came from Joshua, the third chapter, and the reading was from the first through the 17th verses. But I'll just lift up verse 15 and 16, which reads, Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. The Israelites had spent 40 years wandering around the desert, waiting to enter the promised land, which was their inheritance from God. Moses had died, and God raised up Joshua as the new leader, and his task was to prepare the people to enter into the promised land. Joshua had previously sent out spies to do a reconnaissance, and they came back and said, yep, the land is all ready, and we can take it whenever we want to. So after wandering around for 40 years, the people of Israel are now poised to enter the promised land. They are excited. It's just over the horizon, a few miles away, and the only thing that stands between them and their inheritance is the Jordan River. This one last barrier before their new life with God. On one side, a cold desert experience. On the other side, a land flowing with milk and honey. On the one side, a past filled with racial tension, Egyptian and police brutality, plagues and viruses, even an insurrection. On the other hand, leadership under a new administration, the potential for reckoning with their racist past, the fulfillment of all of their dreams. They are standing at the inauguration of something new, and their new leader is preparing them to take the land. The Jordan River is a great obstacle that stood between the people of Israel and their promise from God, and it appears uncrossable. Yet while there are no physical Red Seas or Jordan Rivers before you and me today, nonetheless, there are so many seemingly insurmountable challenges such as white supremacy and racism before us that there might as well be. So when do we step out and cross our Jordan? And how can we know that we might do what we never thought possible? Well, as we focus on this text, I want to look specifically at three things. Number one, having a heart to follow. Number two, having the faith to believe. And number three, having the courage to act. And with these three things in mind, I'd like to speak a message today that I have titled, Crossing the Uncrossable. Let us pray. Father, we have come to the preaching hour and we have asked, that you release your power. Not the power of the pastor, but your power. And let, O oh God, your presence fall. Speak now, Lord, for your children are listening. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The story of Joshua and the Israelites crossing the Jordan River to take the land of Canaan is very similar to the story of Moses and the Hebrews crossing the Red Sea while being pursued by the Egyptians. Two very similar stories, yet each relaying two very different aspects of how God works. 
In the Exodus account, the Hebrews are running away from their enemy, the Egyptians, whereas in the Joshua account, the Israelites are charging towards their enemy. In the Exodus account, the Hebrews were pursuing a promise from God, whereas in the Joshua account, the Israelites were fulfilling the promise of God. In the Exodus account, there was no Ark of the Covenant that went before them, whereas in the Joshua account, the Ark of the Covenant was carried by the priests ahead of them. But whether you are running away from your past or towards your destiny, whether you are pursuing God or fulfilling his promise for your life, whether you are aware of the presence of God in your life or not, the fact is God always has and God always will be with you and for you. Now the Israelites, the text tells us, were on the east bank of the Jordan River and they undoubtedly were anxious to cross over. But there was a problem. In the dry season, the Jordan River is very shallow and it is very easy to cross. But this was the rainy season. And during the rainy season, the Jordan in this area was up to a mile wide with deep sticky mud and marshy banks. So the options before the Israelites were simple. Either they could wait for the rainy season to end and for the dry season to come, or they could do the impossible, which is to cross the uncrossable. It is easy to stand and say, maybe we should wait until better times are ahead. I'm reminded of how Dr. King was told, you know, you should, now is not the right time for the civil rights movement. Maybe we need to wait a little longer. I'm reminded of people saying, well, you know, it's maybe not the right time for a black president. Maybe it's not the right time even for a black vice president. My brothers and my sisters, it's always the right time in the kingdom of God to cross the uncrossable. Now the metaphor is obvious. It takes faith to follow God's leading in our lives, especially when there are obstacles in our way. And like the Israelites, we are called upon to step out into deep waters, sometimes when we don't even know how the waters will be dried up for us to cross, which brings me to the very first point, having a heart to follow. Joshua is the heir apparent to Moses. This has to be one of the most daunting assignments Ever. Imagine having to take over from such a great leader as Moses. Moses, the leader, had orchestrated the liberation of the Hebrews from Egypt with the ten plagues. Moses crossed the Red Sea as a major miracle. Moses had water spring from a rock when the people were thirsty. Moses orchestrated the feeding of the people with quail and manna when they were hungry. Moses defeated all their enemies. And best of all, the text tells us, Moses spoke to God face to face. And in the language of the ancient Hebrews, it said mouth to mouth. Moses has an intimacy with God that could easily be the envy of every pastor, every preacher, every bishop, and every leader. Moses was the ultimate instrument of God at that time. And this is the environment to which Joshua has now been brought. In short, Moses was a tough act to follow but the Bible tells us something very interesting when we read Joshua, the first chapter, and the fifth through the ninth verses. Hear what it said. It says, no one, as God was speaking to Joshua, no one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. 
as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not forsake you, and I will not fail you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall put this people in possession of the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Here's verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then, for then, you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall be successful. Finally, verse 9, I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Three times in these few verses that I've just read, God told Joshua, be strong and courageous. The implication here is that Joshua might have been afraid, fearful. The idea here is that Joshua is wondering what on earth literally have I gotten myself into and how could you blame him? There are two things that I notice even about this brief episode. Number one, Joshua had an encounter with the divine presence of God. He was getting instructions from God who gave him the assurance that he was going to be with him. And as long as he was with him, he would never fail. You have to know that whenever you are getting instructions about what it is that you are to do, whenever you're getting ready to cross the uncrossable, whenever you're getting ready to step out and do something, you have to be clear that God's presence is with you. The second thing that I noticed is Joshua had a willingness to come out of his comfort zone. It did not matter if he was afraid or if Moses' shoes were too big to fill. Joshua had to have the heart to follow God into the unfamiliar and into the uncomfortable. I'm reminded many years ago when I was asked to do a presentation in Kentucky in the 13th Episcopal District of the AME Church, when Bishop Vashti McKenzie asked that I come and lead a plenary discussion on the topic of good to great. I had never done anything like that before in my life. I had never even been to Kentucky in my life. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know what the word Episcopal meant. So here it is. God was asking me in my own mind, asking me, to go to a place I'd never gone before, to speak a presentation I'd never given before to a people I had never seen before. And I remember when I was in that hotel room the night before the presentation, how fear gripped me to the point where I was ready to run and walk away as quickly as I could. If someone had handed me a plane ticket, I would have been on the next plane out of Kentucky and back to New York. I was frightened. I was afraid. I was scared. I had no idea what to expect. I had all of this going on in my head. But somewhere along the line, I got a call from a friend 
Somewhere along the line, I got a call from a preacher that told me, stay the course. You can do this. God is with you. And it was on that moment when I fell to my knees and I'm reminded of even when Jeremiah said, I am but a child, Lord. How can I do this? God's spirit came and he says, I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never fail you. I had to have the heart to follow. The heart to follow God is what you need whenever you are facing an uncrossable, seemingly uncrossable situation. But it first requires that you have a divine encounter with the presence of God and a willingness to follow him towards the impossible. So now that you have a heart to follow, you now need to have the faith to believe. I dare say to you that many of you here, you've got no problem saying you believe God. It is easy to say you believe God when you do not have anything that is pressuring you to act on that belief. But imagine Joshua's dilemma. He has over a million people that remember the great Moses and they're sitting on the edge of the Jordan River that is at flood stage. You couldn't pick the worst possible time to be sitting at the Jordan River. And Joshua says he heard from God and that the priests need to go ahead and to stand in the river. Do you have any idea how foolish that looks? What if they stand in the river and just stand there? And then nothing happens. You've got an audience. You've got the entire world looking at you. And you have these priests that are standing in the middle of the Jordan and nothing is happening. Well, my brothers and my sisters, that is exactly what happened. Look carefully again at verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet, as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. That's what the text said. A great distance away. What does that mean? That means that the Jordan River was immediately cut off as soon as the priest's feet touched the water, but it piled up a great distance away, meaning that they could not see when the Jordan River had stopped. Being that it stopped so far away, my brothers and my sisters, the priests were probably standing in the river a considerable amount of time wondering if anything was happening well before they actually witnessed the waters drying up. It's an amazing test of faith. Have you ever thought that you had heard from God? You even had the courage to obey God. You even went as far as to act on your faith and did exactly what God told you to do, yet it seemed like nothing happened. Brothers and sisters, I want to paint the picture for you. They are standing in the middle of the Jordan River. A considerable distance away, the water stopped. It is going to take time for that water, from the moment it was stopped, for the remaining water to come and pass by. So until they see the evidence, they are standing there wondering, what on earth is this Joshua telling me to do? Moses, 
raised this staff and we saw it immediately. Joshua is telling us to stand here and we see nothing. It is easy to believe that God is not with the leader when you don't see the immediacy of the miracle. If you're like me, you then start to question whether or not you really heard from God. The doubt begins to set in because God did not act fast enough for you and for me. But just because God may have delayed the outcome does not mean that you have been denied the promise. The Bible is clear that God's ways are not our ways. Neither are his timings or his thoughts our thoughts. And sometimes, sometimes the blessings and the deliverance from God takes time. So Joshua might have been feeling pretty foolish right about now and may even have felt like a total failure. Or yet, even worse, Joshua might have felt like a total fraud. The truth is, we usually want the river to be dry before we make the first step. But God was truly calling Israel to step out in faith. And I truly believe that Joshua, he embraced the divine promise from God and stayed the course no matter what it might have looked like. Joshua knew that God had called him, so there was no need to negotiate or second guess what God had said would happen. The land was theirs and they knew it. If God said it, he meant it, so there was no need to discuss it. The timing, the manner, or the purpose for how this promise would be fulfilled was for God and God alone to know. Your job and my job is simply to obey. Why? My brothers and my sisters, let me make it clear. God is God. God is sovereign. He is omnipotent, meaning he is all-powerful. He is omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing. He is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere. And God is immutable, which means he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as long as God gave you his word, believe me, there's not a demon in hell. There's not a devil in hell. There's not even a scourge in the White House that can stop what God has for you. So the faith to believe comes from really understanding that if God said it, he will do it. But you must believe. But now you're standing on the banks of your Jordan River. An insurmountable, impossible and an uncrossable obstacle or problem in your life. It may be a job or a career that you want, but you won't apply for it because mm, you believe you lack the necessary qualifications. You're at an uncrossable Jordan River. It may be that the school you'd like to attend or that you would like for your children or your grandchildren to attend, but it is so expensive that you don't even think you should bother with the application process. You are at an incrossable Jordan River. The house or the car that you may want is out of your income range and your credit is so messed up that you don't even think you should subject yourself to that kind of embarrassment. You are at an incrossable Jordan River. Your marriage 
or relationship. It's so difficult to the point where you have met with every single counselor you can meet with and your situation only seems to be getting worse and worse. Somehow you can't see any possibility of there being any hope for your relationship to be repaired. You are standing at an uncrossable Jordan River. And finally, you don't see any way that you can forgive the person that abused, betrayed, or hurt you in some way. And you harbor such anger and contempt for anything that they stand for. It may be your father, your mother, your boss, your children, a family friend, or any kind of relationship that's meaningful to you. And there is no way you even want to have anything to do with them, let alone be in the same room with them. You're at an uncrossable Jordan River. The Jordan River is an obstacle in your life that as far as you are concerned, it is uncrossable, it is insurmountable, and it is impossible to overcome. But I have come to tell you that there is nothing that is too hard for God, whatever your Jordan River might be. And so, yet despite the fact that you even know that you heard from God and that you may even have a heart to follow him, you may even have the faith to believe in him, the fact is that right now you need to do something, which takes us to the third and final point, which is having the courage to act. The courage to act means that you have to translate, hear me church, you have to translate what you know in your head to what you believe in your heart, to your hands and your feet where there can be a manifestation of your faith. I'll say that again. The courage to act means you have to translate what you know in your head to what you believe in your heart, to your hands, and to your feet, where there can be a manifestation of your faith. You now have to move. And your behavior and your actions are directly related to what you actually believe in your heart. So going back to our text in Joshua, the third chapter, in the ninth through the thirteenth verses, we read, Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know, watch this, this is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites, even the electric lights. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Let me read that again. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Joshua took the step. He called the people together and he told them exactly what God had said and what they were required to do. Brothers and sisters, that took courage because they were willing to be obedient to the command. They were able now to witness the miracle of God. Many of you and many of us would love to see the power of God acting this way in our lives. But the problem is you often can't get past the small commandments that God has given to you. How can you say you believe God for the miraculous and for the big things when you haven't even acted on the small things? 
Things such as love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. How about love your neighbor as yourself? How about do good to them that curse you and even offer your tithes and offerings to your local church? We all want to experience the divine power of God, but we must believe God and do what he says to do, when he says to do it, and how he says to do it. Do, my brothers and sisters, whatever God has called you to do. I believe that God has spoken to each and every one of you watching and listening to this message today. And he has given you promises that he intends to fulfill and manifest in your lives. But despite his promises to you, and I'm talking to you. Despite his promises to you, you have come to the bank of your own Jordan River. Whatever that Jordan River might be. And you're looking at an impossible or a seemingly impossible and uncrossable river in your life that separates you from the promise that God has for you. And because of that, you do not see how the promise will ever be fulfilled. You do not see how you will get over. You do not see how you will make it to the other side. You do not see how you will get out of this debt. You do not see how you will be able to reconcile with your loved one. You do not see how you will make up for lost time. And that's the point, my brothers and my sisters. You do not see. You do not see. And like those priests who are standing in the middle of the Jordan River doing what God has told you to do, but you do not see anything happening. Well, I have come to tell you that all things are possible with God and there is nothing that is too hard for him, even if you cannot see it. For he opens barren wombs. He calms seas and storms. He sets captives free. He mends broken hearts. He opens blind eyes. He walks on waters. He makes all things new and he will do it for you even if you cannot see. The water stopped the moment the priest's foot touched the Jordan. But they did not see the miracle. And they walked into the center of the Jordan River, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, in the middle of a murky, dirty, high-level water. And they stood still long enough to see the salvation of the Lord. My brothers and my sisters, as you stand at the bank of your Jordan River, as you stand on the bank of whatever is impossible to you in your own mind, as you stand there and you cannot see God moving, what I'm telling you right now is that you have to have the heart to follow God and step in. You have to have the faith to believe God, knowing that his word is true, and you have to have the courage to act, which is to move on God's word. Jesus 
has cleared the way to victory over all. And he allows us to face the many Jordan rivers of impossibilities in our lives. For, the text tells us, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on that cross. Jesus is the fulfillment and the embodiment of the ark of the covenant that goes before us. The text tells us he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And what I'm telling you, church, is that if you have God with you, you can stand in the middle of any Jordan River. And while it may not come when you want it, while you may not be seeing the miracle, he's always on time. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, as we follow his lead, the Jordan rivers of impossibility will dry up and we can cross over this seemingly uncrossable obstacle or situation according to God's divine promise. God promised never to leave you and never to forsake you, but he also promised that if you choose this day to believe on his only begotten son that came, bled, and died for your sins and mine, you shall have eternal life. But to take hold of that promise, it requires, it requires that you have a heart to follow, the faith to believe, and the courage to act. Jesus always has and always will be with you and for you. Whatever river you may be facing today, the only question is, will you be strong and courageous enough to trust him? For if you can do that, my brothers and my sisters, I stand in this pulpit on this Sunday, and I'm telling you that the same God that did for Moses and Joshua, the same God that did for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that same God who did for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that same God that did for all of the patriarchs and the matriarchs of old, that same God who helped that widow of Nain, that same God who opened blind eyes, that same God who cleansed the lepers, that same God who turned water into wine. That same God who forgave Peter three times after his betrayal. That same God who hung on that cross and said it is finished and Father forgive them for they know not what they do. That same God is going ahead of you in the middle of your Jordan. And if you believe that today my brothers and my sisters then I will be a witness and all the saints and the company of all as we watch you make it to the other side. May God richly, richly bless you, my beloved.